0: Contrary to what some people or some Christians think, the Church of Jesus Christ is not a visible human organization run by a hierarchy of, you know, professional clergy. And yet, that is what some picture the church as it's not just a, a social agency or a religious social club, it, it's not just a convenient place to get married, buried, or baptized. You see, the church is much more than that.
1: Welcome to Under the Fig Tree. Under the Fig Tree is a verse-by-verse study taught by Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We are currently studying through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, Here's Pastor Jeff.
0: 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, and we do read as Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. In verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So as I mentioned to you, as we look at chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians we're going to begin to look at a new section now of this letter. Now, I want to take you back to chapter 1. You remember, if you've been with us, and, and you recall that when we started 1 Corinthians, that the apostle, when he was writing his introduction to the believers there at Corinth, he would write that God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I think that it's worth being reminded of that verse that he wrote once again, because The key to our Christian lives is to learn to walk with the Lord, to really experience that personal relationship with Him. That's what Christianity is all about. You and I have opportunity to have closeness and intimacy and relationship with the true and the living God, to learn to walk just moment by moment and day by day in fellowship with Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul was writing about. Because that's what makes the Christian life so dynamic and so exciting. That's where we are led by him and strengthened by the Lord. That's where maturity and godliness comes as we just are abiding in him and abiding in his word as we are sensitive to the leading of the Lord. It is where we experience his love and grace and and peace and joy to a great degree because Jesus, he is the source of all of those things, isn't he? So you and I have opportunity to have that closeness, to come into the close fellowship with the Son, Jesus Christ. And so after Paul gives that statement, which is in the first nine verses of this letter, uh, in that introduction that he gave to them, then we see that right away he would begin to address the problems that were going on there in the Church of Corinth, didn't he? And the very first problem he began to address was their division there was division in the church and they were all puffed up in their own wisdom seeking man's wisdom they were centering themselves around a certain individual so there were those who were saying well we're of paul and others that saying we're of apollos and this group over here separating themselves from everybody else saying that we're of of um of cephas and so there was that division that was very much a concern to paul the apostle and he would address in that their self-reliance seeking their own wisdom rather than the wisdom of God he would then address their carnality in chapter 3 he says i can't write to you guys this the spiritual as to those who are mature in the Lord, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. And he would also go on and continue to bring correction to them, as we have seen in these first 11 chapters. So dealing with their carnality, dealing with their division, dealing with their self-reliance, seeking man's wisdom rather than God's wisdom, he would then deal with their their problem with lust, their immorality, their tolerating sin, they were suing one another, their self-indulgences. And so indeed, there is is a church that was a selfish church. There was carnality in the church. And so after dealing with all these in the first 11 chapters, and you see, those are all things that were hindering their closeness and their fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It was hindering that walking with the Lord closely and being led by him and empowered by him. And so now Paul is going to change gears and he's going to now turn from the carnalities to what are called now the spiritualities. And so as we read in chapter 12 again, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now notice that the word gifts in your Bible is in the italics, which again means that it was added by the translator to hopefully give some clarification. But as you read it in the original, it reads now concerning spirituals or spiritualities. I don't want you to be ignorant. So here in chapter 12, I'm going through chapter 14, you have the apostles' teachings on spiritual gifts. Those things of the Spirit that will keep us from walking in carnality. And walking after our own flesh. And correct the wrongful things and and thoughts that hinder our fellowship with the Lord and so the Apostle says this is an area that I do not want you to be ignorant of this is very important in other words is what he is saying to you and to me and as you look at the Pauline epistles in the New Testament it's kind of interesting that Paul touches on three areas that he says that the believer is not to be ignorant concerning one of those areas that he writes about, that the Christian is not to be ignorant in and about, first of all, he says, number one, that I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church, First Thessalonians chapter 4, and God's plan for Israel in the last days, Romans chapter 11. Yet that is an area where today the church can greatly ignore or pastors don't want to teach on it or they say it's too confusing or we just stay away from those things there can be so much confusion about the rapture israel and the role that god has israel in the last days and there are those who say well the rapture isn't biblical or they'll say that god is through with israel and they get into what is called the replacement theology, and that is that the church is now spiritual Israel, has replaced Israel. Israel has forfeited her, her uh, promises given to her, the covenant that was given to her by God because they rejected Jesus Messiah. And now those promises belong to the church, and that's why the church is spiritual Israel, and that's where you get into the name replacement theology. And so Paul dismisses all of that. And in Romans chapter 11, he says, Is God through with his people? Has he cast them away? He says, Certainly not. God's not through with Israel. He still has a plan for Israel. And the day's going to come when all of Israel will be saved. And he talks about that. And so it's a fascinating study for another time. So he says, Concerning the last days, when it comes to the return of the Lord, when it comes to the role of Israel in the last days, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those things. Second of all, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. And we talk about that often. As a matter of fact, we were talking about it quite a bit last Wednesday night, that, that you and I as believers, we need to be aware that Satan is the master deceiver. He's the master counterfeiter. He's the father of lies. He'll do anything that he can to deceive you and take you away from the truth. And so don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. You need to know his tactics, what he's going to do to come against you and pull you away from the Lord. And then thirdly, the third area that the apostle writes that we're not to be ignorant of is here in First Corinthians chapter twelve. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritualities or spiritual gifts, spiritual matters. Yet we see in the church today that this is an area of biblical doctrine that has been more misunderstood or abused, and yet no area of doctrine is more important to the spiritual health and effectiveness of the church. You see, contrary to what some people or some Christians think, the church of Jesus Christ is not a visible human organization run by a hierarchy of professional clergy. And yet that is what some picture the church as. It's not just a, a social agency or a religious social club. It, it's not just a convenient place to get married, buried, or baptized. You see, the church is much more than that. It is such more than that, and I think that today—and this is just an opinion of mine, an observation, just an honest evaluation of what I see in the church at large today. More and more, we are turning to to where we try to make it where it's more programs and, and more entertainment and, and more of this and more of that, rather than realizing that the church is alive, that the church is the believers in Christ Jesus, that it's not just an organization, but it's a living organism, and it's the spiritual body of Christ who is the head, the members of that body of those who have put their faith and trust in him as Savior and as Lord. And though it's composed of human members, it's not just a human organization, but rather a supernatural organism created and led and empowered by the Lord himself. And I pray that we don't forget that. Because we can forget that, especially in how to do church today. So much emphasis and pressure can be put on pastors and ministry leaders and we need to do this and organize that and i'm not saying that's all bad it's got a place in and of itself but you know we're we're going to see that the church is going to grow and where individuals is going to grow is by just a marvelous work of the spirit that are in our lives you know when i was at the pastor's conference a couple weeks ago it just and the lord's really been placing this on my heart that Calvary Chapel, when the whole Jesus movement came out in the 60s and the 70s, it was a powerful movement of God's Spirit. It wasn't because Pastor Chuck had a meeting with his leaders in, in committees and all of this and said, what are we going to do to reach the hippies there that are sitting on the beach in Huntington Beach? But it was Pastor Chuck and others that were praying for them and teaching of the Word of God, and it was a powerful movement of God's Spirit. And it's interesting to see some of the clips of God working in the lives of those young people. And I remember they were showing clips of some of the baptisms they were doing out at the ocean. And, you know, Time Magazine was reporting on it and, and all of this. And I remember seeing those young people that had no hope just absolutely no hope had left homes, were strung out on drugs had given their lives to Jesus Christ through the teaching of the Word of God and clearly hearing the gospel, and they're coming out of the waters and they're just weeping. And as they had the tent that was there, and it was just full of young people and and people all alike from different ages, hearing Bible study for an hour, an hour and a half every night, where it was just jam-packed. It was a powerful movement of God at that time. And I really believe that God wants to work in that same way. So the church is, is something that, that is empowered and is something that is living and alive. And we as Christians are part of the body of Christ, and we need to understand that the Lord desires to work through our lives and through the church by the Holy Spirit, and He gives us an understanding to understand that spiritual gifts are given to minister and function within the body. So Paul says this is important. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritualities or what we refer to as spiritual gifts. I I want you to know that God wants to gift you. He wants to empower you, to build you up, to strengthen you, and to allow you to minister effectively within this organism, the body of Christ. So Paul goes on to say, as we read in verse 2, You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, we know that the early church was dealing with different kinds of false doctrines and teachings. It's the same thing as it is today. And there were those, apparently, who were coming along, and they were warning the believers in Corinth and saying, Hey, if you open up your life to a fuller expression of the Holy Spirit, then you better be careful because you can be opening yourself up to demons. If you desire more of the Lord and if you start in this whole area of perhaps praying in the Spirit or, or ministering in the miraculous, you better watch out. Because you are opening yourself up to demons and you can find yourself cursing God and blaspheming Jesus Christ if perhaps you speak in an unknown tongue. And those kinds of rumors were spreading throughout the city of Corinth amongst the believers. And that kind of thing even continues today. That is, you can hear all kinds of boogeyman stories of if you better be careful if you yield yourself and open yourself up to God and the spirit of God and what he has for you because you don't know what spirit might come in and that is false because your heavenly father is much more gracious than we are as earthly fathers as an earthly father having four kids i desire to give my kids good things and and do things that are good for them because i love them i want to do good things for them give them good gifts I want what's best for them. And it was Jesus that would say that if your son comes to you and asks for bread, you're not going to give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, you're not going to give him a scorpion. If he asks for an egg, you're not going to give him a serpent. Now, if your earthly father knows how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So if I, as a sincere child of God, am truly seeking the fullness of what God has for me, the fullness of God's Spirit, and asking Him to give me more of His Spirit and dwelling in me and in empowering me, it would be blasphemous to say that God would allow some false or evil spirit to come in and take control of my life. So that's the first part of what He begins to, to say. I want you to understand this. I want you to know this. I don't want you to be ignorant. And so second part in verse 3 is also interesting. He writes that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If I, in my heart, confess that Jesus is Lord, that He died for my sins, and that He rose again, that He is God incarnate in the flesh, and you know that you cannot say that except that it is the result of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, you cannot say that Jesus is Lord with true integrity, with true sincerity with true conviction and belief, unless the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. You cannot do that apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's good news for me. Because in my heart, I truly say that Jesus is Lord, which means that truly that the Holy Spirit is residing in me. And he's working through me. As I say that Jesus is my Lord. I love the Lord. And I believe who he is and what he did for me. Oh, I am so assured of that. And that's the Holy Spirit that brought me to that point and then now keeps me in that. Jesus in John chapter 15 said that when the Holy Spirit would come, they would testify of me and he will glorify me for he, that is the Holy Spirit, would take what is mine and declare it to you. In John chapter 16, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not to promote himself but to glorify and point to Jesus Christ. And so we can trust that the true ministry of, Of the Holy Spirit will be according to the nature of Jesus. So, after Paul deals with, I think, which were these rumors and false teachings that were floating around the city of Corinth amongst the believers, and he says, You don't have to worry about pursuing spiritual matters. He says that it's the work of the Holy Spirit. He goes on in verse 4 there are diversity of gifts but the same spirit there are differences of ministries but the same lord and there are diversities of activities but the same god who works all in all so paul now is explaining that the holy spirit gives a variety of gifts to be used in a variety of ministries that has a variety of effects there is a common source and there is a common purpose and as we talk about spiritual gifts remember that we are not talking about talents or natural abilities or skills. I do believe that natural talents and skills and abilities do come from God. Just as everything good and worthwhile is a gift from Him. James says every good gift comes from above. But here's the thing that we need to keep in mind, that natural abilities can be shared by believers and non-believers as well. Talents can be shared by believers and non-believers as like. An unbeliever can be a skilled artist. An unbeliever can be a skilled musician. An atheist can be a great athlete or a carpenter. But spiritual gifts, as they are listed here in the New Testament, understand that spiritual gifts are not natural, but rather are supernaturally given by the Holy Spirit to believers in Christ Jesus. And concerning these spiritual gifts that are given to the believer, Paul says that there are diversity of gifts, there are differences of ministries, diversities of activities. And I think that the two key words here are what? Differences and diversities. He says in verse 4, as we look at it again, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Now, it might read in your translation, if you have something different than what we're reading in New King James, maybe varieties or allotments. And Paul will go on to list, here in chapter 12, some nine spiritual gifts in the following verses. And he lists more in other places, in the book of Romans, the book of Ephesians as well. So there are diversity of gifts, yet there is one giver. Who works through the diverse gifts there are differences of ministries but the same lord so god gives us his gifts to be used in a variety of ministries the the ministries that we're called to and and are part of and then there are diversity of activities but it is the same god who works all in all so just as there are A variety of gifts, not everybody is going to have, for example, the gift of teaching. Perhaps you might have another gift. Maybe he'll give you the gift of administration. There are different ministries that we're called to do so that the body of Christ can function properly and powerfully, right? It's like my son who plays football on the football team. Not everybody is going to be gifted to be the quarterback. Not everybody is called to be the quarterback. They all have different positions that they are called to, they're gifted to do, so that when they run a play, all those players have different roles that they play, and so they run it together so that they can run a play and score a touchdown. They're working together. But not everybody is going to be the quarterback or the running back. And so just as there's a variety of gifts in the body of Christ and different ministries that we're called to do, there are, as we saw in verse 6, diversities of activities. That is, how that gift is going to be worked out or manifested in your life is going to be different than everybody else. And I think that, that, first of all, it's important for us to understand that when we move or work according to the gifts and ministries that the Lord has given to us and called us to, that we're not doing it out of our own energy that we're not doing it out of our own strength. As we talked about a couple Wednesdays ago, it's not by, night, more by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And it is the giver, the Lord of those gifts, the Holy Spirit, that is going to lead you and empower you and energize you in using of those gifts to glorify the Lord and to benefit the body of Christ. So he's making these things clear so they understand, so you and I understand, so we're not ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. I think that that it is important to realize, and this is where a lot of Christians can really get hung up and really get frustrated or discouraged. Some of us will have the same gifts, but we should not expect them to be worked out in the exact same way. That is, I may have a certain gift of the Spirit, and you may possess a certain gift of the Spirit. But it may operate in my life, and it's going to operate in my life differently than it operates in your life. For example, I may have the gift of teaching, but you may have the gift of teaching as well. And the gift that the Lord has given me of teaching is going to be worked out in my life differently than it's going to be worked out in your life, isn't it? Not everybody who has the gift of teaching is called to be a senior pastor to teach the Word of God. There are those who have the gift of teaching that will teach in small groups, or they'll teach men's study, or they'll teach the youth or Sunday school. There are those who have the gift of teaching that may be teaching in a seminary or college kind of atmosphere. We all serve in that area of teaching, but it's worked out in different ways for each of us. And to me, that is such good news, because I can just yield to the Lord and what He wants to do in my life, and how He wants to do it, and how He wants to lead me, and how He wants to call me and work through me.
1: Thank you for joining us on Under the Fig Tree. If you would like a copy of today's study, please call us and ask for the message with today's date. Our phone number is 970-330-1717. That number again, 970-330-1717. If you prefer, you can write us at 2602 West 27th Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80634. You can also visit us online at ccgreeley.com. Under the Fig Tree is brought to you by Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We invite you to join with us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Please join with us next time as we continue to study the Bible together on Under the Picture.